0: this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Alicia Tyler. Tribe Cold Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Mike. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi,
1: we're Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast.
0: Ow! Hello, and welcome to the Talk House Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. This week, we've got one of those fun conversations where the reverence is on full display from the get-go. When we asked singer-songwriter Biba Doobie who she'd be interested in speaking with for the podcast, she immediately responded, Nina Person of the Cardigans. You can hear how excited she is right from the start. Now, for those unfamiliar with Biba Doobie, she was born in the Philippines, raised in London, and found fame over the past couple of years via platforms like TikTok. Canadian rapper Powfu built his song Deathbed around B's song Coffee, giving her a huge hit with what was essentially the first song she ever wrote. She followed that with a string of really strong EPs and then dropped her proper debut album called Fake It Flowers in October of last year. It's a fantastic set of fuzzy pop songs that clearly found a ton of inspiration in the music of the 1990s. Bands like The Sundays, Pavement, Belly, and even Daniel Johnston, who comes up in this conversation, have been bandied about in reviews. Beba Doobie is hitting the road this year with her fantastic label mates Black Star Kids. You can see all the tour dates on our site or on hers. In the meantime, check out a little bit of her song Last Day on Earth. Now, if you listen closely, you probably heard a little bit of the Cardigans in there as well as those other 1990s influences. The Cardigans also found fame in those alternative nation days. They had a huge hit in 1996 with the song Love Fool, whose chorus was imprinted on a generation and released a string of excellent albums right up through 2005 when they went into a sort of semi-retirement, still emerging occasionally to play shows. At the front of the band was charming lead singer Nina Person, who went on to form another band called A Camp, as well as release a solo album. She's also, admiringly, Enjoying not being all that busy nowadays. She plays the occasional show, but also teaches and does pottery. It sounds really nice to me. Bee and Nina had a really lively cross generational conversation here. You can hear the admiration in Bee's voice and the real interest from Nina about how things are different as a 20 something woman in the music business now versus when she was topping the charts. They also talk about social media, Nina's favorite moments from the Cardigan's catalog, red pandas, and gross hotel rooms with shag carpet, sperm, and toenails yuck enjoy
2: yeah before we start anything i just want to say that i'm like you are probably my main inspiration for all the music i write so it's kind of crazy that i'm talking to you right now i have so many questions i yeah i really look up to you and i love the cardigans and i was always curious about your writing style and how like how do you write a song did you write it with your band did you write it yourself or did you write the chords yourself yeah tell me
1: well first of all thanks B (laughs) that really makes me truly proud to hear uh thank you so much that's lovely well my writing style has been very different uh throughout the years like unlike you I've never really written on instruments and uh unlike you I did not start writing songs from the beginning I sort of I joined the cardigans Not even because I wanted to do music. I pretty much joined because I was bored. (laughs) They wanted me to join the band because they liked my taste in music more. And then they checked me out and see how I was singing. And I think it was acceptable. And it was mostly based on my record collection that I got to join the band. So from the beginning, it was these two guys, Peter and Magnus from the Cardigans, that wrote the songs. So I came in and uh, immediately from the beginning, didn't write much, but I I gradually started to more and more, especially first lyrics yeah, together with the band. And when we wrote, it would be Peter, who's the main songwriter from the Cardigans, who would have melodies and maybe chords or snippets. And then we would take it from there and write together and, and the lyrics would grow on me. And then that sort of, my part of the songwriting really grew naturally throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And I started to write um. The latest recording's record, I wrote some music also,
2: but I've mostly just written vocal melodies and, and the lyrics. The songs are just so catchy. Like you just hit the nail on the head of just trying, like making such a great pop song, but like not even like the commercial pop, it was like this, your own type of world. It Yeah, it's wild. And you mentioned records and they apparently chose you for your amazing music taste. Can you tell me what music <laughs> you were listening to at the time? We loved anything
1: British at the time. This was the, the early 90s, so it's like the Britpop was huge, and we loved mm. that. So I think with the records I had that they uh, thought were promising was like Stone Roses, like that, uh, Stone Roses. Uh, do you know the Swedish artist Stina Nordenstam?
2: Oh my god, I love Cena Noise. Yeah, that. yeah,
1: yeah. So her mm-hmm. early records was super in like influential on me. And that's one reason. They thought if she if I like the way she's singing, then I would be open to singing sort of in a not very sort of, you know, trained mm. traditional way, kind of. And I also love The Sundays and Amazing. You probably heard that also, yeah. I love the Sundays. Wow,
2: I could really hear that in like the way you sing.
1: Yeah, it's almost embarrassing because if you listen to early cardigans, you can really hear that I'm totally imitating, which is fi- a good place
2: to start off from, you know, before you find your own theories. Inspirations are always like, I think they're always really important. I feel like referencing things in music, I think people see it as such a bad thing, but I think it's like always really fun. Like I remember, like um, I released a song called Cologne and I just completely <laughs> referenced you guys. <laughs> um, Aha! Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was just like, yeah, this has to be like a Cardigans song. So oh, that's that's awesome. I, I think I even
1: as, maybe you know that, but I also sing about Cologne in one in a song in a cardigan song. Not like the theme is Cologne, but I sing it. We have a song where we drop a lot of names of cities. But I think that's a super. If you think that's a bad thing, then you're just completely like ripping away the rug from under you because it's the the truest way of learning i think especially as a singer because imitation
2: is everything really Mm -hmm. i think it's healthy and is this song you were talking about where you mentioned is it daddy's car yeah oh so you listen to old really old cardigans too then i've listened to every single record like religiously i think my favorite is life or like grand Turismo. yeah no i'm completely obsessed i i know that you weren't originally planning to go the music route and you just Mm -hmm. loved the idea of music so what was like your plan in life before everything happened with the cardigans and itself
1: well my plan in life was to i started an art school that was sort of like a general art school so i tried all kinds of mediums so I, I just knew that i wanted to do something within well uh, like express it like uh painting or designing i I loved pottery and i loved photography so i wasn't really sure what i would i just wanted to try all these things out but i that i would do something creative in that manner was clear to me and that's what i had thought for my whole life and then that it was during that year in art school that i had to start to play hooky like several days a week just to go away to make our first record but they were sweet the teachers at that school they actually gave me full grades anyway because they said that well You were doing something really creative. So you can, because you need the grades, they said. So I got (laughs) they gave me props for stuff I wasn't even there for. That's good.
2: Oh, wow. I know that you teach in Copenhagen. Do you teach music? How do you find that? Because I've always wanted to teach, like I've always wanted to be an elementary teacher and like I see music, I kind of fell into music. I didn't really seek out this job. They wanted to have a teacher at the school who was not from an academic
1: background somebody who'd rather had a life experience so i i just said yes because i thought it was a great chance to try it and i think it's amazing i'm actually not teaching music i'm teaching sort of or coaching in the- finding your sort of uh, working on your creativity and finding methods and uh, being aware of your context and, and pretty much meeting up with them every week to make sure that they're also doing like an artistic development not just getting skills but also honing their art sort of so it's an amazing subject to teach and I learn just because I'm not from an academic music background that's what I gain by hanging out with these people both the other professors and the students so I think it's amazing and just to sort of get to be part of what people are doing currently, how how they do it the te- technologically and uh, what they're drawn to aesthetically and, and, and everything.
2: Yeah, I can see how that can be also really inspiring for you. But it's good to, I was going to say, don't don't rush teaching. Now you
1: got to <laughs> yeah. you know, you see what I mean? It's really good that to know that you have other things that you can mm-hmm. find valuable
2: in life for when you don't think it's sort of working anymore and not fun anymore. But don't. Yeah. I used to write all my music myself in my room. And the last EPA release was a really collaborative one. And I've been collaborating really closely with my guitarist, Jacob. And it's the first time I'm working with someone so closely. And it's kind of outside my comfort zone, but it feels like I have less weight on my shoulders and two minds are better than one. Did you feel like you
1: had to open up to let somebody in
2: mm-hmm.
1: or uh, what was it that was uh, difficult? you at
2: the beginning? Um, I think what was difficult was that I was so I guess it was I was a bit anal with my music I was like no one touched my music <laughs> um, and I think it was a big deal for me even like the first time I worked with like a new producer that was nerve-wracking for me but now I think it's like the best thing to do like as an artist it helps you grow and I always wondered I always wondered how you found collaborating with your band so closely. Did that help you learn? Did that help you write songs easier?
1: Well, obviously, that's the way I started. And that's, I don't think I would have started without that. So it was an amazing thing for a long, long time. Because that's where I learned everything, pretty much. And I thought it was wonderful. But I think then as I as I grew, I, I sort of had maybe the opposite uh, journey from you, in a way. Because the more I grew as a songwriter, first starting to write the lyrics and then starting to have stronger opinion like knowing my voice better and starting to have stronger opinions about music then i started to feel like it was uh started to get a little crowded <laughs> in there to be honest um and it's and that and peter who wrote the music in the cardigans he is a strong force also obviously because he's amazing and he sort of he has to be quite autonomous when he when he writes we had to work really hard on how to get in on the in the process sort of but then when i did sort of do my first record outside the carians which was a camp then i uh, immediately sought out people that i uh, was writing and working with and i insisted on i mean i could easily have made those records like my solo record but it was still really important for me to call it like a project and have like a band name on it because I couldn't bear the thought of be, of like being the artist I, I've only done one record under my own name but I really felt like I need to be in a band-like situation to feel comfortable because I need like you say you you uh, you share the work and you, you share the the pride you take in the music and you bounce back and forth and you're just more clever people making the decisions that always helped me also because I maybe didn't have that I'd never started out a very self-sufficient process to begin with but that came eventually yeah but do so do you have sort of like a band because it, it, i've
2: seen quite quite a lot of pictures of you with it looks like the same musicians i have like a touring band we play shows together and we're very much like really close like yeah you know, band best friends and only recently is um have i been starting to like work with them much more intimately especially with jacob and yeah, know they always they play on the records we've never written all together i usually write my songs myself or sometimes co-write it with jacob which i'm doing quite recently but yeah it's just like it's interesting how i don't know how much i've kind of matured throughout the years and kind of opened up and i think it's cool i know that you've released some obviously like your solo records and then with like the cardigan stuff did did they like have all the instrumentation done and then you hopped on at the end or was it like a much more like collaborative process it was quite collaborative he would come with demos that pretty much was just his he on guitar
1: singing you know like uh bullshit lyrics like made up <laughs> made up lyrics and then we would take it from there sometimes uh all of us like the drummer would sit and figure out his part and like sometimes we would just sit simply take it to the rehearsal space and play it till we everybody found their parts, kind of. So, so it, it was usually like that, that um, there would be like an embryo to a vocal melody that was a start-off point. And often he had sung something that wasn't even real words, but for, I'm sure you recognize this, But but phonetically it sounded so good. So when I wrote the lyrics, I couldn't help but sort of start off at singing what he sang, even if it didn't mean anything, until I found what real words matched it somehow, because some, some vowels and some words just marry so well with music, so you can't really separate it. So that's all that's and I think still that's a big inspiration, just how words sound musically. I sometimes when I have a like when I just have at a standstill and can't come up with anything, I just sort of sing without words just to see, you know, the, the phrasings and the, and the vowels and the sounds that that work with it.
2: Yeah, no definitely that's pretty much how I write my music. I kind of find words that don't really make sense, but just fit perfectly with the melody or just feel nice to say. And the,
1: yeah, that is like a crossword puzzle. Then you just fill in the gaps because yeah. you can make anything
2: work, really. So, what is, this is probably like a hard question, but what is your favorite song? that you guys have released with the cardigans with the cardigans
1: oh, yeah. oh it's really hard like there's many and there's they're very very they're they're very different also but i think that goes for everybody i tend to like the most recent stuff the best because it feels that's of course that feels like most like myself where i am today so i love a lot of songs from that record called super extra gravity yeah i'm trying to think but i love a song like I actually love a song that I feel like nobody else got, but a song like Losing a Friend. On that record, I enjoyed so much uh, writing from the standpoint of a really sort of not very likable person. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really, really freeing and really fun to just sing about really messed up ways of looking at relationships and stuff. So I li- those are fun, I think. But then there are songs from another record uh, called Long Gone Before Daylight. Like one song called Feathers and Down, I'm I'm really happy with. Because that's one that I can sing still. And I, I feel like that was a really, I just feel that it's very current still. And I, I feel really happy about how the music flows in, the,
2: in a good way. Every time a new album comes up, it's like you, it just sounds more mature and mature in the best way possible. And I can tell by that last record that was like, so much confidence, so much angst in your voice, which I really admire.
1: Yeah, it's a little sad. I, I really like where that record went, also. And it's kind of that that can make me really sad that we never did any more records. We did start up like uh, making another record, and I think it could have been great if we had continued on that same path, but then that, that really never happened. Are you still writing music? Well, I don't write with the cardigans, we play live with the cardigans, but I'm, I'm and I haven't been writing a lot lately at all, actually. But I'm gonna actually this fall just start to sort of see some people and see what happens kind of. of. So there's there's a song I really like uh, that I'm going to try with somebody. And then I'm going to record a duet with a really talented woman. So just to do just to do something sort of I just my problem right now is I just don't know really what kind of music I would like to do and how to do it. And, you know, if I even want to put out records, I think that if I just knew myself what I wanted to do, I would be able to do it and find people to work with, which, which I'm really lucky to. I just really feel like I don't know. I'm also like, I, I'm a bad influence. I mean, don't, uh, <laughs> I also really enjoy not working hard. So the way I live now and teaching a little bit and then just hanging out, and I, I have a pottery studio that I go to sometimes. And I, amazing. you know, so I have quite a, a chill life that I like. My kid is still small. So, but I think there's going to be a time, I, I really don't feel like I've done my last record. I think that's it. So maybe when I'm 65, but you're making your record now, right? You're working in the studio, right?
2: Yeah, I'm currently doing my second record, which is That's amazing. Are you in the studio working right now? Um yeah, I'm currently rehearsing every single day because I've got a few gigs coming up. So yeah, it's been tiring, but it's it's fun hanging out. Like I could assume that you and your bandmates were all like super chill with each other. I think that's the main thing about this job, I have to say,
1: both what I'm in now and in retrospect, that's just the, the people. Musicians are great people. You meet so many amazing, interesting people. So it's such a great world to be, both your close ones and the ones you just happen by. If you're, you're gonna play, are you are going to play your own club shows or are you doing festivals? So what is it that you have coming up?
2: I'm playing festivals this year and then I've got a tour coming up at the end of the year. How does that feel? It must be so much fun. I'm really nervous. Like we've got a festival coming up next week, and I'm I'm quite scared, but because it's the first live performance I've done for two years because of COVID. Right? Did you do any like Zoom performances or anything? Oh yeah, they were just so strange because I was just like, there's You can't like, you can't feel, you can't hear the crowd, and it's just like it's not the same. You're gonna go crazy probably with an audience again and new music. Might like, go a bit crazy, doing too crazy but I'll probably end up being that way because I haven't been to a festival in god knows how long yeah I was gonna ask and talking about like festivals and touring and whatnot how did you find touring like at the peak of um the, your career was it really intense like I, I could only imagine like how because every song off um it was like right, yeah like every song just went completely like was a hit did you ever find it too overwhelming at times and how did you deal with that?
1: I did i I really did, and I think that's partly because it wasn't really a, a childhood dream of mine, so to speak to just i I loved music and I loved to be creative and to to hang out with this kind these these people musicians and mm-hmm. but I never actually had an urge to sort of have people look at me or to be famous or to be you know interviewed that was not something that I really had in me kind of I didn't uh mind it because I'm fairly social but I when when i did that every day, all the time, and in sometimes quite uncomfortable environments, as you were, yeah. and so forth. Like, it did uh, definitely wear on me. And it was also like a little, I, my, and my band members are the best, and I still have to say to this, like, you know, after the meet, the meet and I know so many people from the 90s who totally didn't make it through the Me Too, um, you know, storm. But so I'm so proud of my, my bandmates, they're the best men. So they were only helpful. But in the business back then, it was quite lonely and quite odd to be a woman because it was so it was lonely, actually. And it was would be lonely and awkward. I had a constant feeling of not being enough because I felt like I was not what the, the business
2: hoped that I would be kind of. Yeah, no, I definitely relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, you do? It's like, I obviously, like you, I just never really expected this to be a thing. So at the beginning of it all, it was like panic attack after panic attack. And like touring was really hard at the beginning. And like, I'm so appreciative of the band I have now because it's like I can't wait to tour with them because I think it's really important to have good people around you. And like, especially you touch on the topic of being a woman, especially being like a lead, like a, f- a lead female singer in a band in the 90s i can only imagine how strange that would be like how did you find that did you feel empowered at times or like was there moments where you were like oh my god this is yes yeah, because i'm a woman and i can't do half the shit that men have to do that men could do yeah but well
1: it was quite rare then i i first of all i, I just felt like there was so few people around me that i could identify with because there were there were a couple of women but it was just certain very narrow roles you could be like four different kinds of characters kind of you know and I, did, I felt, didn't feel like I was like any of those and also there were so many you know projections sort of on me I've always had a good self-confidence and everything but I felt like the things that were expected from me even even if it, it wasn't always explicit but you know about what i people assumed that I would want to talk about and You know, I would talk about stuff in interviews and then I realized they didn't write anything of the things I really said. They just wrote things that they had, you know, they wanted to talk about more sensational things. But now I I have a feeling like for you now, I just feel like the good thing is there's so much more women uh, doing music. So you have more uh, people to mirror yourself in and also more. You just don't have to talk so much about that you're a woman you just you can talk yeah. as a musician and you don't have to talk about fashion every time you do an interview you know it's just more more room for individual variation kind of in the, yeah which I'm really
2: happy that it's changed Yeah, you know 100% I feel like right now there's like a good group of female like Asian musicians specifically that are coming up and it's obviously like so admiring to see and yeah there are moments where like there's it's still in the industry like all that stuff still exists and it's you know i could wish that for it to all go away but it's you know it's so hard it's like always going to be present i feel like it's become like the norm within the music industry and as much as it's good for me right now at this day and age it's still one of the hardest things to be a female musician um but obviously then again mm. I, um i appreciate like all the other girls doing the same thing as me and i appreciate you and all the incredible women from the 90s that I really look up to when my mom used to play I remember her playing all your songs and being like damn <laughs> I oh, want to okay. rock out in a band like that one
1: day maybe are you friendly with other like uh, female artists of
2: your generation also I know a good handful um that I talk to um well I went on tour with Claro and I know that she always has advi- like, advice if I need some advice. I always go to her, especially, like I learned a lot on that tour actually. And um, you know, how she dealt with things and like how to deal with things. And I was like, wow, you can just say no. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, I have a problem of being like a pushover sometimes and only recently have I been like, nope, I don't want to do that. And that you can do it just cause you don't want to. I had a thing where every time I said I didn't want to do anything,
1: Uh, my various managers or whatever tour managers would have to be like, then we have to say that you're sick, that your voice is bad. So it always had to be like a a physical problem. And that also, that made me feel like such a weakling because I'm not really, I just, you know, if I had a bad day, they always had to say like, Nina got stung by a bee and had a really (laughs) bad allergic reaction to it or something like that. It always, and it always had to be, if the band wanted to cancel something, it also always had to be, because of me so it was uh yeah
2: that was really frustrating <laughs> i feel like that that's probably the same case with me
1: yeah yeah with your in your band situation for sure that's also one thing that when you have when you're singing like if you're a guitar player you can be quite hung over actually and do a good show still uh but you're sort of when you're, when you're singing you're, you're you're sort of also that's another pressure you need to take care of like you need to just have your instrument functioning
2: kind of no, definitely i feel like I appreciate my band a lot because if I fuck up, I know they've got my back. Mm. If I if I play a chord wrong, I've got like a lead guitarist who, who's got my back. So I know that if it's a bad day for me, I'm like, it's fine. I know my band's super tight. Mm. <laughs> but singing for me is always like, I've watched like a lot of your live videos and it's crazy how much you sound the same live. Oh. Did you ever get like singing teachers, like singing lessons? I did, uh, I, I did a during the Gran Turismo touring.
1: We toured a lot and I we also didn't really have a, I don't know, I was just really overworked also. I had not been to see teachers and I did not warm up or anything. And I partied and I smoked and I, you know, was actually also not in a good place. So my voice totally went out. You know, I got the nodes, the, yeah, I think you call it the nodes. So I had to interrupt a tour to go back home to do this uh, vocal cord surgery which was super super oh but yeah talk about having to end the tour because of me so after that after so then I had to have like pretty much uh you know physical therapy for my vocal cords just oh to God. recover from surgery but after that I realized that I had to to learn some tricks just to sort of preserve it so so I took some training
2: I think it's always really helpful I feel like especially like like the scene I'm in, like I do tend to party a lot and I don't really take care of my voice and like I found learning from a singing teacher and how to like preserve my voice. Although she tells me to be completely silent after a show, I'm like, yeah, I can't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's hard and then you can't, when, you, when you're when you on tour, like days off are unfortunately so expensive, so there's always going to be a pressure of you on you to sing as, as many nights in a row as you can, which I think is really hard
2: during the peak of your career, was there a moment where you were like, crap, I don't, I don't know if I can do this anymore?
1: I mean, there would be moments when I just sort of felt, I was just, uh, just because uh, I've been hanging out so much with family just now. Mm-hmm. My parents-in-law's house is so full of relatives that me and my husband had to stay in a motel mm-hmm. nearby just to be able to, to see them. And staying in a motel in the U.S. was brought me back so hard to, like, touring memories. Really? And this whole motel room that we stayed in made me remember when we had... Do you remember the... Did you see the TV show uh, 90210, Beverly Hills? Yeah. We call it... Yeah. So we did an appearance on that show in 97, perhaps, or something like that. And that was, for me, and for us even in Sweden, that was a huge show. So that was, like, one of the biggest things we did, I would say. So we were in, like, Hollywood... Uh, shooting this episode with this cast of 90210 blah 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 and everybody was like so excited that we got to do this show and then our tour just continued you know how your everyday life on tour yeah. is just the same no matter how what your success is like so I just remember it was a couple of weeks later and I was at a such a such a gross motel room somewhere on a day off on tour on like a, on a shag carpet that was full of toenails that it was so dis- it was like you know, sperm and toenails. It was so gross. And there was one TV that I It must have been really old, like, you know, a square TV with a really terrible picture. And this uh, episode was uh, airing for the first time. So I decided that'll be fun. I'll watch that episode uh, since I have a day off. So I was lying on my stomach watching this on, this, on this gross rug, watching this show with myself on it. And I was like, it was just so sad. It was just so confusing to me. Life was still really... The same pressure, the same daily work, and, and I, you know, wasn't really happy uh, necessarily. So it was very bizarre, kind of. I remember that just because I thought about it the other day when I was in, in the re- similar room, eating the same plastic wrapped muffins for, for <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> You're going to the U.S., right, for a tour?
2: Yeah, we've got the U.S. this year. We did the U.S. like two years ago. The, that was the one of the first tours we did. I just love UK tours and I love like Europe. America sometimes scares me because it's just so far away from home. And like mm. we didn't stay in motels in America. We stayed in like really like shitty travel lodges in mm. England. And I just remember like it being the most depressing thing, like coming back to an empty hotel room mm. and being like, this is so sad. Like after a show, and like you do whatever. And then you come back to like a really like yellow, dim, lit, Mm -hmm. weird travel lodge room that smells like the last person that stayed there.
1: Yeah, it's weird. And then, and you sort of, all you want to do is hang out with your band and sort of decompose, but you also know that you really should just be quiet and rest. It's really hard to wind down after a show. Now we're talking about the negative things, but then of course there's really fun stuff. I just have to ask you like a nerdy question, because I read somewhere that you're that you're a fan of Daniel Johnston?
2: I love Daniel Johnston. I've got a tattoo of oh. his eye back.
1: Oh, you do? Oh, he said one of his drawings. Oh, that's amazing. What a good idea to do one of his drawings.
2: I love the way he writes. It's just, it comes from such an innocent place. It's mm-hmm. like, you can tell like, the genuine emotion that comes from his voice.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I just thought it was great, because I, I mean, I, that, that person from your generation still is, like had, had heard about him. What other music have you been listening to music recently? Uh, recently, uh, let me think. Well, now I'm having a really fun time because my son, who's ten, is really he's really into music, so I'm actually consuming a lot of music through him, which could be embarrassing, but it's fun. He's got good taste. He's really into into rap and uh, all these great new pop stars that come up. Like, I love Doja Cat. Like, uh, oh, I love. Uh, I yeah, yeah. I think a lot of. Uh, uh, uh artists that are coming up like i think frank ocean is fantastic that's not super new but i mean really, i really like this a li- uh, Brit- I, I think she's i'm not sure if she's british or american um aldous harding i return to a lot i think she's fantastic yeah no she's amazing she did a song called "The Barrel," which is, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. For example, but it's fun to just listen to my son's playlist actually because he, he listens to all these uh, like uh, SoundCloud rappers and some is not so good, but some is amazing.
2: If you could go back in time and give yourself advice on what to do differently or what, or just to keep in mind, what would you tell yourself? Well, I I would tell myself
1: to uh, be kinder to myself. Mm-hmm. to try to try to this classic thing, like try to look at yourself the way others look at you. Cause, cause you're not doing it in a kind way, <laughs> you know, just to give yourself a break a little bit. I, cause I, I can often feel now that I didn't have to feel bad about a lot of things because I was not as bad as I thought. Uh, kind of. That's one thing. And also just that, I wish I had enjoyed it more while it, I mean, I wish I had enjoyed, as I, I talked about this motel room, that made me sad at the time, but I learned to go for it and have a lot more fun, like 10 years into my career, I wished I had a lot earlier, just to really have fun, and just to really seek out people you want to hang out with, and, you know, go where it's warm, and just enjoy it, sort of,
2: that's one thing. that. Yeah, I feel like artist to artist, I feel like during my career i had all these like you were saying this earlier i hate how this is part of me like my head is i always care about what people think it's like constantly and people have this you know idea of me that i'm so terrified about disappointing them with mm. disappointing and not being the person they expected me to be and it's reassuring to hear you say it, to be kind of to yourself if if you were to go back in time, because I should probably think about doing that. <laughs> I'm
1: really curious because you, it's such a different time now with social media, which is on, on one hand, you have, you have more of a chance than I did in a way of letting, telling people who you are, you know, and giving a, an accurate picture of yourself. Do you see what I mean? Like you didn't, you were, You're not really in the hands of other people to, to write, to interpret what you're saying, but you yeah. can actually say it directly. So, mm. so, that I can see that's, that's a really great thing. But on the other hand, there's an expectation if you don't, if you don't care about social media and if you don't do it enough, then it's also, I can imagine, a pressure to, to keep uh, updating and posting and be active and be sort of always sort of catching attention and collecting uh, followers and everything.
2: I kind of go on social media quite naturally and I try to like show everyone like my real self. It's just like I feel like kids have now adapted to just like. Despite seeing someone online, assuming what they were like and not kind of like reading between the lines, or like, I know no one will ever know what I'm actually like unless they know me in real life. But I feel like there's definitely a barrier in social media that is inevitably there because people will never actually, you know, understand who I am. And that's completely normal. But that, but with social media, there's all, it's so open that you can see every comment and anyone is entitled to their own opinion and it's just hard to just like not not read it and not care about it which thankfully recently i've just stopped like reading anything um i've stopped like looking through comments or looking at what people are saying about my music and just kind of caring about what i think about my music and what the people i care about think about my music but yeah i I do see that how social media has definitely helped me since the beginning i feel like it was so much more harder back then with nothing like all you had was like magazines and like people writing about you people writing what they thought you were like
1: yeah i always filtering sort of but i think when i've looked through your videos and listened through your music i feel like you have a really you're at a really good place where you sort of i mean i know you have people usually helping you make videos and stuff like that but i think that you're really good already at expressing a complexity of a, of a person sort of and you know different dimensions that you have that, that you are a 21 year old girl which you are right 21 I was, yeah. I was doing my math
0: <laughs> and
1: uh but you know life is complicated there's uh, all kinds of shades uh, mm-hmm. in the way you perceive life and how you're uh, expressing so I think I think you're, you're already you already have like you can you can sense it sort of in in your output Do you think that you are going to tour
2: the rest of Europe at all? It's like my dream to do a European tour and to go to Japan. We had uh, a couple of records that were
1: really doing well in Japan. So I went a lot for a couple of years and it's amazing. So much fun. And now I started to come back. So I'm going back uh, next Easter again with my family because I love
2: it so much. So the festival you're going to do, is that full capacity? Is it full on audience? It's so strange. So it's like. So it's an ex- it's an experiment festival. it's um, latitude festival in Suffolk. and yeah no, I'm playing there next Friday, which is pretty nerve-wracking. It's 40,000 people hmm. I'm playing main stage. I'm just ah man did you, you did you used to get nervous before shows? Yeah was that, like, yeah it's so bad. I feel like it's gotten worse because of COVID and I haven't played for two years. I just like I feel like I'm gonna be sick
1: it's always if you've had a long break and you're out of out of practice a little bit Mm -hmm. it's always nervous but it's that's when it's also the best to have a band that you like the people because to have just know that they're there with you playing with
2: like i'm so like it's so like reassuring like turning back and seeing like my drummer's face or like my bass because they're like my best friends it's just like i can't even imagine like performing live by myself in front of so much people.
1: I wish that we could figure out a different way to do it. Because you know, when you're a lead singer, how you always, you sort of can't help it, but be always a little bit in front of the people. So they're always behind you. They're never in your eyesight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, I always find that really disturbing that I had to like turn around in order to see my, my people. Well, they can they can sort of have, be really be in touch and, and have a thing going while they're playing.
2: Yeah, they can go off with each other, like the bassist walks off to the drum, and I just have yeah. to stay completely still.
1: <laughs> because if I would just see them moving around in the peripheral uh, vision, I would, that would be helpful, sort of. I, I, and I've been trying sometimes, like, let me stand a little behind, you know, that you form a triangle like that instead. But it never really works. It's a, a shame. Yeah. We need rear-view mirrors. Yeah, so we can have
2: that. <laughs> you can see everyone. Are you going to play any shows soon? You
1: thinking? I have booked. I have a little duo that I really enjoys. Me and a well, there was a band in the nineties called the Soundtrack of Our Lives. Really good band. So the keyboard player for that band uh, and I have a duo. So we just booked two of those. You know, these awesome summer shows, small audience outside, kind of. Whoa. So I have those two, uh, and then that's it. Then we have a we have a show booked in beginning of December, I think, with the Cardigans in Jakarta indonesia that's it's one that's been p- postponed three times i think so i'm still not sure it's gonna happen but that's uh that's in the calendar
2: i go in indonesia that's crazy
1: yeah that is crazy and to, to go that far now to play i don't know what's uh if it's gonna happen but that's well. what's
2: like the best like the coolest place you guys ever played or you've ever played like well the coolest
1: place would be like because it's always really fun to play like all over england and like Around the U.S. and uh, so forth, but and like around big cities in, in Europe. But the coolest places would be that we played, like we played Belarus. That was really cool, just because not a lot of bands had gone had gone at that time. And to play Japan, the more sort of exotic it would be, the the more fun kind of it would be.
2: Oh my god, I can only imagine what Japan is like. I literally cannot wait. I'm like obsessed with red pandas. So like, if I go to Japan, I'm just like gonna go straight to the red panda that's an
1: animal right yes, or is it a animal. Band?
2: So i'm like, like i bet she's it. talking
1: about a cool new band that i've never oh, heard no, no no no
2: <laughs> it's like the cutest like it's so cute i can't believe i'm showing you oh i can't show you a picture of a red panda but they're basically like yeah, i want to see
1: okay i'll google it here then let me see
2: They're so so cute they're adorable
1: okay <laughs> the images oh wow oh they look it looks oh wow they look like a something like a mixed between a fog and a
2: yeah and
1: a a fox i mean and a panda
2: yeah foxy i mean their features so yeah i think they're perfect i was always also really curious i know like i bet you like during the time you just kind of threw clothes on on tour because that's what usually ends up happening when you're on the road but like did you ever have like a go because I love fashion yeah I can tell from your pictures yeah did you ever have like a go-to outfit to wear on stage like was there anything that you just like absolutely loved to wear you wore and you were like oh my god this is my outfit for the rest of my life
1: yeah I think it's all about go-to outfits in a way because it's really hard I think to expect yourself to pick something out like every night so I always pretty much find something that I like and then Stick to it. Sometimes I will have a couple of uh, like versions of the same thing. I used to have a really hard time. I still sort of do have a hard time singing in dresses. I don't know why. I think it's because I don't really know how to move in a dress. But I've started to be better at it lately.
2: Yeah, that's quite awkward. Like I just wouldn't know where to clip the thing on a dress. I feel like yeah. I, tried, I went to rehearsals in a dress today because it was it was boiling hot, and I tried clipping my in ears battery pack like on the back of my dress and it was sliding my dress down I can never work yeah and then you get a bump but you should go to like or if you have somebody who's really good at sewing try to make yourself a belt oh yeah
1: you can make it out of elastic so it can sit under your dress and you can wear if it's a really tight dress it's always going to be a problem of course but then you can wear that belt like under dresses and just with a little pocket for the thing that you can always stick it in. Oh, mm, that's smart. To have custom, actually make some really uh, comfortable custom-made items for you. I I once had like a saddle maker make myself a belt with a huge sort of holster, really, for my belt pack and for my harmonicas. Whoa. So almost was like, a, you know, where the cowboys put their bullets and <laughs> have my harmonicas good. like that so do something fun like that because just to make your
2: life easier and also just to be comfortable and wow you just get some someone to make it. that's crazy like honestly this has been like this has been amazing for me like, yes I really appreciate you talking to me and hearing about your stories and like advice and like it's been really inspiring and yeah this is sick
1: (laughs) great to meet you and have a great have a super fun tour now oh thank you and you too good luck with your
2: shows and like everything yeah thank you it'll be fun
0: thanks for listening to the talkhouse podcast and thanks to nina and b for chatting if you like what you heard please follow talkhouse on your favorite podcasting platforms and social channels and don't forget to check out all the great written content at talkhouse.com this episode was produced by melissa kaplan and the talkhouse theme is composed and performed by the range see you next time